0: Well Good morning. Yeah, this is, a, this is a party week for some people. Uh, well, we have several planned that Margaret and I have to go through this week, but one of them I want to in particular tell you about, if you are a high school senior, and if you're between a high school senior and a 30 yeah, uh, then you're invited on Wednesday night to the ignite Mare before Christmas party. Yes. And uh, uh, the reason it's called the Nightmare Before Christmas is because of the outfits people are going to wear uh, at them. There, there is a prize for the most outrageous Christmas outfit uh, that comes. This will be a cash prize, people. Uh, and then there's also uh, a, a scavenger hunt that we're going to do, and then we're going to have pizza and donuts. And so anyway, and those of you who are outside of that age group, well, that's tough, but... Uh, <laughs> The, the, those of you who are in it, you're all you're all invited to it uh, for sure. And if you're outside of that age group, have your own party. I mean, come on, throw a party, people. It's uh, it's this it's this time of year, yeah. Uh, well, good morning. Where where is my where is my? Yeah, there we go. Uh, we're going to talk today at Advent two about the meaning of Christ's coming. Would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage of scripture that. Not normally associated with Advent, but I think it's going to really fit today. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him, nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the grace and the power and the life that are in Your Word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon each person here, that You would quicken us, that You would banish the the fog that the world wants us to walk around in. Help us to see the beauty of who You are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The reason that Jesus came, if you, if you ask that question, uh, it's got several answers uh, to it, quite frankly. Uh, one of the reasons that Jesus came is He came to die on the cross for our sins. And that's probably the first thing that would that would uh, occur to most of us. And, and I'm glad that He came to die on the cross for our sins because nothing else would do for somebody who's a sinner as big as I am, and probably a sinner as big as you are as well. Uh, I think the foundational reason, the fundamental reason that he came, is because his father told him to. He came out of obedience to the father. Uh, you know, I don't know all the, I can't explain all the inner workings of the, of the Trinity and, and how that all fits together, but the way they have revealed it to us, the way that God has revealed it to us is that there is authority, and then there's under-authority, and there's obedience, and obedience is highly valued and highly highly treasured. Uh, And Christ came because God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. And So He said, go. And in fact, Jesus said on, on that last night, He said, the prince of this world is coming. He doesn't have any power over me. He doesn't have any hold on me whatsoever. But the world has to learn that I love the Father. And I do exactly what he tells me to do. And then there are a couple of places in Scripture where it goes, this is why Christ came. One of them is in 1 Timothy. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I am so glad that Jesus came into the world to save sinners because that's all that's in the world. You know, people-wise, anyway. I mean, dogs, they're pretty good. Uh, Cats—they need something. They don't, don't know if they can be saved or not, but I'll hear about that later from from some of you. Uh, but Christ came into the world to save sinners, and Paul says, "Of whom I am the worst." And when I read that, I have a tendency to think, "No, you aren't. It's me because I, I I know about my sins. I know about my shortcomings, and you know I can look at somebody else and." And I can kind of go, well, you know, I understand kind of where they were coming. But for me, I've got no excuses when I stand before God. I really don't. It says over in 1 John that anybody who who says they've not sinned makes God out to be a liar. And God's Word is not in their lives. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful. He's just. He'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then over in 1 John, it says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Yes! Can I get an amen? I mean, the the, the devil's work needs destroying. As as you look around and you see the the suffering and the pain and the greed and the wars and and, and all of the the stuff that is here as a result of the devil's work, I'm glad. Yeah, the sooner the better. I'm glad that's why he came into the world. But there's another reason why he came into the world today, and, and I think it has more uh, more bearing, if you will, on the meaning of his coming. And that's what we want to that's what we want to talk about. Uh, that's what we want to talk about now. Uh, J- Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he was telling his disciples, he said, "You know, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, you're going to get to come with me." Uh, and and, he's, and he said, "If you really knew me, you'd know my father as well." In fact, from now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. And Philip gets all excited. He goes, wow, just just show us the Father. Ooh, that that would really really be cool. That'd be enough for us. And and then Jesus says in verse 9, He goes, Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So one of the reasons that He came was to show us what God is like. Show us what God looks like. And, and in fact, I think that that's really the primary meaning for us because that's the first thing that we have to know. Uh, you know, I mean, getting saved and not, you know, uh, having someone save me from my sins, that's pretty good. But what am I getting into? You know, where where am I going? Because there's been a... There's been a, a, a a propa- the enemy would have us believe certain things about God, and the propaganda has gone on since the very beginning. The enemy would have us believe that God is selfish, that God is petty, that God is resentful, that God is that God is cruel, that God is vindictive. And while we we kind of oh no no you know I I, I know God is love well you know that up here, but even myself at times I have to kind of stop myself and go wait a minute. No, God really is love. God really does love me. There's, there's, that, there's that tendency. We've been told it so long that, that God is these things that He's that He's mean, actually, that it's kind of hard for us to get over that hurdle sometimes. And it was especially hard before before Jesus, before Jesus came. Uh, it, it, when I say it started from the beginning, it really Really started back in the garden when the with the temptation of Eve. You know, the, the enemy comes along and, and says to Eve, Did God really say you can't eat from any of these trees? And Eve goes, No, 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 we, we can eat. There's just one. Just one we can't eat. And yeah. Well, let me tell you why you can't eat from that tree. It's because God doesn't want you to have something that you'd really enjoy. He knows that when you eat from that tree, you're going to know good from evil. You're going to be like Him.
1: And He doesn't want you to have that. How many of you have kids? Have children? Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. How many of you have more than one? Yeah. Okay. That's all right. You don't have to. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, a lot. Most of you. Has there, is, there, is there ever... Has there ever been a, any time when there's been something that you didn't want your child to have? That's not a trick question, people. Yeah, if you're a good parent at all, yes. The answer is yes. You know, because if the answer isn't yes, then you got a problem. And you know what? Your kids have a problem because their parents are wimps. That wasn't in my notes, but that, that's something that, that's news you can use. Of course, there are, there are times that, that you didn't want your kids that. And so, you know, yeah, uh,
1: God doesn't want you to know about evil. Well, hallelujah. I wish we hadn't learned. I
0: wish we hadn't found out about it. I, I would much rather not have it. But the enemy twists that thing and makes it, God's trying to keep something from you. He's selfish. He's, he, he doesn't want you to doesn't want you to have stuff and then all through uh, all, all through history you know things got to the point where uh, even people were even sacrificing humans i mean even human sacrifice sometimes their own sometimes their own children they'd sacrifice to god or to the gods because you got to placate god because if you don't he's going to be mad and you got to do something to you got to do something to buy his favor and and that's been the story that's been the the propaganda all through all throughout history, and, and all too often, we're ready, we're ready to jump on the, the train and help the enemy with this propaganda. Think about it.
1: Some do it in the zeal to scare people to Christ. This is some uh,
0: religious artwork from the Middle Ages, uh, from the medieval period, actually. Uh, to scare people to Christ, you know, and, and from... Uh, from from medieval art to sinners in the hands of an angry God to to turn or burn, it's kind of like you know. Well, people aren't going to like Jesus, but just because he's Jesus and because he does all this good, you know. We, you people who've got kids, right? You you you've had kids, you've got kids. uh did, did you really do you really enjoy them being frightened of you? I mean, seriously, do you? You really want to walk in the room and have them <gasps> trembling? Now, sometimes that would help, wouldn't it? But, but for the most part, no, that, that's not what you want. And yet we feel like, well, you know, if, if we scare them enough, they'll come to God.
1: What's up with that? Seriously. Some do it out of malice toward God. Maybe because somebody tried to scare
0: them enough to get them to come to God, or something. Or maybe you know it's because they got a bad preacher or a bad deacon or bad something or other Sunday school teacher or something, uh, and and they've got they got this this grudge against God, and so they'll they'll take passages of scripture and kind of twist it over. In Judges eleven, there's a story that that people use fairly frequently. There was a there was a guy named Jephthah. And uh, he was he was called on to deliver Israel from the Ammonites and and to fight them. And when he went into battle, he he made a vow. He said, "God, Lord, whatever whatever the first thing is that comes out of my house, if you'll give me victory when I come home, the first thing that comes out of my house, I'll
1: sacrifice to you." And it was his daughter. And so people go, see, see, God, that that's that's the
0: kind of God God is. No ignoring the fact that, A, God didn't tell him to do that, and, B, the whole book of Judges is about people making up their own rules and ignoring what God has to say, what it is. And, and, and then they'll, they'll go to, to Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac. God called Abraham to sacrifice his son.
1: How many of you know Isaac didn't get sacrificed? And you know Why? Father, here
0: we've got the fire, we've got the wood, we've got the knife. Where's the sacrifice? God Himself's going to provide the sacrifice, son. And he did. He did. He provided it that day, and he provided it on, on, on the, the day. And it, that leads us to Isaiah 53, because Jesus did come to be a sacrifice, but he came, to, he came to also show us God. Who has believed our message, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So when Jesus came to show us god what what did we see? well, first of all, what we saw we didn't believe could possibly be God because that's not what that's not what god is is, is supposed to be like all, all of the propaganda about about God I mean used to I would think well you know the the jews they weren't looking for a messiah who was like this they they were looking for a for a messiah who would come and and be a warrior and would come and defeat Rome and would come and and be this this powerful, mighty ruler. That's that's what they were, and that's why they missed him. The problem with that sentence is the word they. Because you see, we aren't necessarily looking for
1: a God like this. And so very often, we miss him. Wow. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I was going to save this and put it in a sermon later on, but I, I think I'm supposed to share it right now. Uh, I, I, not this week, but last week I did a funeral for, uh, or I spoke at a funeral. I didn't actually do the funeral, but I spoke at a funeral. A friend, a friend of mine passed away, and she, uh, uh, I had mentioned her, I think, the week before. She, she was married to my best friend from high school, but I, I knew her as well. Uh and I knew some great things about her, but a couple of things I didn't know came out at the came out at the funeral. Um Rita Rita was a was a Presbyterian. She was she was part of God's frozen chosen. She she was, you know, she wasn't gonna she, she wasn't gonna get too emotionally, you know, cranked up about anything. Please. <laughs> yeah. But there were uh, when the when the pastor of the church that she attends was sharing about her, there were a couple of things that the family had shared with him after she passed, because this wasn't things that the family would talk about otherwise. And one of the things that, two things I'll, I'll share about how she was. Uh, she uh, in her when she was younger, she taught elementary school, and and Rita, uh, you know, she grew up decidedly middle class, which in the neighborhood that I grew up in and and she grew up in, we weren't that far from each other. Would, would put you in, in the 1% for that neighborhood. But she grew up decidedly middle class, didn't have a lot of money, but she, you know, she, was, she had. And uh, when she was teaching uh, the elementary school kids, uh, the, the primary ones, she would, uh, she would do the thing where they put the, uh, the paper on the floor and trace around their feet, you know, and put their name on it and, and, and hang it up on the wall with your name and your feet, your footprint. Wow, isn't that cool? And uh, But she wouldn't put it up till the next day because several of those were going home with her that night. Uh, because on her way home, she was going to take those traced-out feet and stop at the shoe store. And when she'd come back the next day, the kids would all find, the, you know, their, their, their pictures and their, of their feet hanging up there. But some of them, when they got home that day, would discover there'd be a pair of shoes in their backpack. They didn't know where it came from. Another thing that, uh, another thing that, uh, a story about Rita, uh, her husband Hank graduated from Vandy. Big, big Vandy fan. Yeah, uh, man of sorrow, familiar with sufferings. <laughs> but, uh, but, but she and Hank were both uh, really involved in the in the athletic program. They followed it. They, you know, season ticket holders to everything, and they had followed the football team on the road. And uh, you know when the baseball team would go to the playoffs, they'd go follow. So you know they were pretty well known uh, in the athletic department. And when uh, Coach Mason came in and followed, uh, uh, what was the guy's James Franklin before him? Uh, that first year, he didn't have quite as much success as Coach Franklin had been having. And in one of the games, uh, Rita saw uh, one of Coach Mason's young daughters get up and leave in tears, and she got up and went after her. And, and and got her in one of the exits and said, listen, it's going to be all right. This is just a game and people can be mean. She hugged her and she said, now here's what you need to do. When your daddy gets home
1: tonight, you hug him and you tell him how much you love him. That's the kind of God we have. Yeah. Not
0: necessarily fireworks and and... You know, woohoo, healings and stuff. I mean, God can do all those things, but that's the kind of God we have. That's that's the kind of love that it is, and that's not that's not what we were looking for. And so, when when He came, who who's going to believe this? Uh, you say, well, is that what that's about? Yes, that's what that's about. It it says over in in John chapter twelve, even after He had done all these miracles, people still didn't believe who He was to fulfill the words of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message? Whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so what, what we saw, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. Uh, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Uh, a, a, a tender shoot. He didn't, he didn't come with, with, with power. and. Everything. He, was, he was a baby, a little baby in, in a manger. Uh, and not only that, he was, he was baby in, in a manger in danger. You know, uh, not too long after he was born, you know what happened to all of the boys two years old and under
1: in the vicinity of Bethlehem? They were slaughtered. He just escaped. I mean, vulnerable. We got a God who is so powerful. He can be vulnerable. We see that in the face of, face of,
0: face of Jesus. and he came, he came to dry ground. He, came, he, he, was, he wasn't born in Rome. He was born in an occupied country. He was born in a, in a country where troops from another country were stationed, and they ran things. They, they, they were the law there. And not just an occupied country, but parts of the occupied country that people in the occupied country thought were worse than theirs. You know, when, when uh, Nathaniel heard about him, he goes, Nazareth? Really? Can, it, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Born into, I don't know if it was abject poverty, but he certainly wasn't born in, in, into wealth. He certainly wasn't born into position. He was, uh, he, in being very nature of God, he didn't consider that something to be grass, but he, but he took that off and made himself nothing, made himself of no reputation whatsoever. And dry ground in terms of the spiritual leadership of that. I mean, think about who the spiritual leaders were in his day. Uh, let's see, there's Caiaphas and Annas. You know, there's people who, when they see the face of God, goes, we have no king but Caesar, let's crucify him. Pretty pretty dry situation that he that he came into. No beauty or majesty to attract us to him. You know, uh, God doesn't desire to overwhelm us with His fiery awesomeness. He could, and and the day is coming when when He'll have to do that because you know the the day's coming when he when He is going to to change everything. But that's not. There, how many of you have seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah, a few of you, uh, about half of you. For those of you who haven't. It's it's a ridiculous movie. Uh, Jim Carrey is given the power of God uh, throughout the movie, and and he kind of learns that it's not the gig isn't kind of as easy as he thought it was going to be. But my favorite moment in the movie is when his is when his girlfriend uh, is is leaving him, you know, and and he's and he's 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 going, love me, you know, and somehow that doesn't work on her. And he discovers that all the power in the world can't make somebody love you.
1: And so he didn't come to dazzle us. He came to woo us. God wants to woo me? Draw me? The cords of loving kindness? Have you ever met a famous person and been disappointed?
0: All right? Y'all have been really impressed with all the famous people you've met, right? I mean, you know, in the first service, we got people who've met famous people, let me just tell you, because when I said that, they get yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you ever, you ever shook a famous person's hand and gone,
1: is that it? I'm taller than him. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we, we won't be disappointed we won't be disappointed because he didn't he didn't come with beauty and power and majesty.
0: Yeah. The world's leaders use those kind of things, use those kind of symbols. I was I was uh, mentioning in the first service when uh, when we uh when we invaded Iraq and and we uh took Baghdad, the uh and, and I don't remember the personalities exactly involved in this. I think it was military leaders on both sides, but uh, we asked the iraqis okay what do you need now now we're here you're liberated what do you what's the first thing you need from us and the answer was we need every statue of george w bush you can send us and you know to us that's kind of like <laughs> that is so ridiculous uh uh-uh. uh Who, whoever has the symbols has the power Who, whoever there are a lot of places where the most statues goes with the most power. Or are the, are the most symbols, the, the, the biggest flag, is, the, is that's the one. Yeah, that's not how God came. came in a different way. And then in, in verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, men of suffering, familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And, we held him in low esteem. He was he he was rejected. Mankind's initial rejection uh, uh, was such a God who comes with love rather than a sword. This 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 can't be God. This is the carpenter's son. We we know his we know his, his his brothers and his sisters. They're here. I mean, how can he say these such things? This this can't be this can't be God. A man familiar with suffering and 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 pain. Uh, we don't know when Joseph died. He certainly wasn't still alive when. Jesus entered his ministry, I don't know about when he came to his adulthood, but he lost a parent, uh, the, the man who had raised him as, as his father. Uh, his brothers didn't believe in him. Uh, it says over, over in John chapter 7, even his own brothers didn't believe in him. You know, that can, that can hurt. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's bad enough to lose somebody to death. Sometimes it's worse to just lose them and they're still alive, and Jesus experienced that. He had to deal with that and and, and go through that. His closest friends failed him at, at, at the hour of his greatest need. Uh, they, they they couldn't stay awake. They couldn't pray with him. Man of suffering, familiar with pain, and you know we 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 we. we even in the church, we tend to reject that. We tend to go, no, no, no. You know, not. not we won't, we're not having any of that. You know, we don't, we don't have suffering around here. You know, we, we don't have any pain around here. Yeah. Uh, and yes, God does marvelous, wonderful things in our lives. There is victory. Yeah. But let me just tell you. Let me let me give you a clue. If anybody tells you that you're not supposed to have any suffering or any pain, they're selling you something that's a lie. Because Jesus Christ said, in this world,
1: you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It's
0: part of the journey. It's part of the journey. Yeah, God does, God does miracles and, and all, but that's, that's part of the journey. And he's been on that journey. He, he's experienced that journey. And we, we held him in, in low esteem. But you know what? This is what Jesus knew. He knew that it doesn't matter if the world rejects you. It doesn't matter if it, what the world thinks about you. It doesn't matter if you don't win the prize. The There's only one whose esteem matters. And he had already made it very clear on more than one occasion. This is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. I'm very pleased with him, and so in verse four, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. He took up our pain, bore our suffering. Have you ever had a have you ever had a friend who's walked with you through a hard time in your life? You ever have you ever, have you ever had somebody who you know maybe you lost someone, or maybe you went through a sickness, maybe you. Um, uh, lost a job, uh, maybe you had some marriage difficulties or something, and, and somebody who was just there for you and would walk with you through that. I, uh, when, when I first went in the ministry, one of the biggest struggles for me was uh, going to visit the sick and, and going to the, to the funeral homes and stuff like that because I, I thought, I don't, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, am I supposed to heal them? You know, if, if not, then I guess, you know, I'm not a good pastor or something. You know, am I supposed to raise the dead? What, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And then finally, at some point in
1: time, I begin to realize, I'm just supposed to be there. I just need to be there. He
0: took up our pain and bore our suffering. And it wasn't just okay. That's done now. No, no, he he, he took it up. He'll carry it with you. He'll walk with you through it. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes there's healing. Sometimes there's miracles. But sometimes it's more valuable and more important to let's walk together for a little while. Let's let's walk together when it really matters for a while. And we've got a God who's who's. Who's willing to to do that. He who sees each sparrow falls knows every bit of suffering that occurs in the world. Every bit of pain. He sees every sparrow fall. He sees sees every tear fall, and he knows why. And and suffering. You know, uh, there are times when we'll be be watching something on on TV or something, and especially if, if, I don't know, Margaret's got this thing about needles. And so if you see something on TV and somebody's getting ready to get a shot, you know what Margaret does? And that's probably what some of you do. And you know, you'll go to see a movie or something, and kind of watch half
1: of it, kind of like this. You know? God doesn't have that option. God sees it all. He He doesn't have that option at all. And He who sees
0: all of the all of the suffering that has occurred in the world, and all of the suffering that's occurred in your life,
1: is willing to bear it. So we considered him to be stricken, punished by God.
0: This wouldn't be God. This would be somebody under the wrath of God is what we, is what we thought because we'd heard a lot of propaganda about what God is like.
1: We heard a lot of propaganda about how he felt about things. I uh,
0: will take what seems to be a little bit of a bunny trail here, but it really is an artist. You know, artists uh, see things that we don't see, uh, and just take this moment to uh, let you know that um, uh, Kelly, Kelly King's father, uh, Ken White, passed away this week, and, uh, and Ken, Ken was a delightful man uh, and a terrific artist uh, out here in this foyer, this, this little entrance foyer, that, uh, uh, that painting of uh, Joseph being visited by Gabriel, that's, that's something that Ken did. Uh, when we opened the baptistry, a painting of jesus baptism that 's that 's something that Ken did and uh and and it's he s- sees things that that we don 't necessarily see uh now uh, a painting that you 've probably seen at some point in time is is van Gogh starry night you know I used to look at that and i and i 'd kind of go well, that 's weird uh wonder what he was on when he uh when he painted that yeah and then, and then it finally, I don't know, at some point in my life it finally clicked and I went, that's what he saw. I look up at the sky and I just see these little points of white light and stuff. He, he looked up in the sky and he saw energy and movement and, and, and magic. and and, and, this, this. and since he saw it, now I can see it as well. Realize, oh, you know what's going on in the sky isn't just a bunch of static little points up there. And in this season, you'll see a lot of uh, of representations of uh, of the nativity. You'll see you'll see a lot of things, and and they're not they're rarely ever, uh, nor do I think they should attempt to be. They're they're rarely rarely ever so realistic, you know. Uh, I'm quite certain. That Jesus did not glow like that, uh, you know, and, and he didn't—he didn't, he didn't cre- create illumination for the uh, for the nativity uh, when that happened, and uh, you know, I and I'm and I'm definitely certain that his mom, after she was born, wasn't like,
1: ah, isn't,
0: you know, isn't this wonderful, you know? Because I've been around some women right after they gave birth, and that's not what it looks like, people.
1: but the artist sees what's really there in the spirit
0: the artist sees what's really there yeah uh, angels flying around all over the place and 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 shepherds and even wise men they didn't they didn't come for a couple of years but yeah they yeah, got them coming that's okay cuz there's this there was this this stuff going on that was more than meets the naked eye you know anybody can imagine Cow poop and you know, and dark and dank and terrible conditions. Okay, that's but but to be able to see beyond that. Jesus came not just to show us a poor man from Nazareth walking around with a bunch of ragged people
1: following him. Came to show us what God looks like, who God is. God hugs a broken-hearted little girl who hears people saying mean things about her daddy. God traces shoes so they can go and surreptitiously provide for somebody who doesn't have. When we consider the meaning of his coming, we need to consider what God looks like. Because you see, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling
0: among us, and we have seen His glory. glory of the one and only Son come from the Father, full of grace and truth. Our God is full of grace and truth, and the truth can hurt, and the truth can burn,
1: but it's leavened with grace. Grace upon grace. We're going to go to the table of the Lord. And uh, those of you who were here last week
0: know that we're doing this a little bit differently. Uh, Those who are going to serve, if they'll go ahead and and come forward, uh, we're doing it by intention. You'll take the the wafer and uh, actually dip it into the cup and a couple of things. Because you see, we only covered four of these verses. We're getting ready to cover the fifth one now.
1: He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed.